So you saw the title of this podcast and you clicked on it. And I'm pretty sure you thought to yourself, I wonder what kind of freaky, disgusting, nasty, kinky shit I could possibly learn today. And you know what? You are absolutely correct. But this podcast isn't just about sex. It's about things that I think are sexy. And who am I? Well, I'm your gracious host, VD Only Letter. And we're going to talk about a variety of topics on this podcast, like uh, politics, religion, sex, and smegma. Yeah, we're going to talk about dick cheese. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. And remember, you're sexy. It fits you a hell of a lot better than it fits me. Thanks. Two, one. Shatira, what's up? Hey. <laughs> uh, guys, ladies, gentlemen, people, boys and girls. Well, hopefully not boys and girls. This is not boys and girls. All right, not it's attractive. Too late. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, welcome to the Old That Sexy Podcast. I'm your host, Be the Only Letter. I am here with one of my longtime, uh, beautiful friends, Shatira. Uh-huh. God, you say my name wrong all the time. How do I say your name wrong? It's not Shatira. How is it? Satira. Satira. That's really not that good. It's you always say Shatira, and it is Satira. Mm Mm-hmm. Go have a nice sip of that prosecco. Speaking about the prosecco. (laughs) Speaking about the prosecco for the drink of the episode. Now you got me fucked up because now I don't know. (laughs) You got me fucked up. Sir, no. Mm. Got it wrong. Help me. Help me help you help Just me. Just say Tira. All right, fuck it, Tira. So Tira brought Prosecco. <laughs> what is this? La, La Masia? La Marca. Yeah, this is working. This is La Marca. Would you like me to do this drink of the episode? N- you you know what? <laughs> fuck it. I'll give you the drink of the episode. Okay. Let's do it. Hey, y'all. Hey. So today's episode, um, the drink is something that is my favorite, which is Prosecco. Prosecco is a nice, sparkling Italian wine. It's a white wine. And the brand we're drinking tonight is La Marca. People will tell you that you only drink Proseccos in the spring. They're lying to you. Mm. Proseccos are refreshing all year round. And they just like... They're less aggressive than your traditional champagne, and the flavor profile is consistent. It ain't like no Andre. No, it's get not. You, get you some Prosecco, get you some Prosecco, and you'll be in a nice mood. That is arguably the best <laughs> drink, of the epi- like, drink of the episode intro I've ever had on this show. Like, I've had over 20 drink of the episode, like, drink of the episode intro. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most well thought out, the most like well expressed. I'm really proud of you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean that from like the bottom of my heart, like from the left atrium right over here. Like, oh, I definitely mean oof. that. 
Mm. So a beating like right here. I appreciate that. All that blood flow. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> what has been going on with you? How are you feeling? I'm great, actually. Thank you so much for having me here. No, no, it's, it's perfect. Um, I feel good. I feel really, really good. This fourth quarter, Doing 2019, it's been going real well. Going That's real good. well. That's good. I mean, I've seen you... I've seen you out here, like, being more in touch, like, more outside. I think you, when I went on your Instagram, you were at a recent event. I can't quite call it, but it was a lot of, um, was it, like, a women empowerment event or something like that? Or... Oh, maybe it was my doula stuff. Yes. I, I'm what a is doula. That? So, <clears throat> I am a birth coach. Um, so, me? I'm a birth coach. A well, breath I'm... or birth? Birth. Like, giving, like, a child. Yes. Coming out, yes, into the world, absolutely. They have coaches for that, or not? Okay, right? or not? Um, yes, they do have coaches for that. They have support for that. What? Mm-hmm. Please explain it. I would like to hear more about that. Sure. So, um, a doula is really just someone that's going to support um, individuals that are within sort of the. I guess I, I won't say birthing cycle, but basically we can support from individuals who are pregnant and choose to um, terminate the pregnancy, those who um, go full term and um, give live births, those who give right. stillbirths, right. and then also within the postpartum space, um, that's where we can provide support. I do not catch babies. I do not birth babies. I am not a midwife. I am not a gynecologist. I don't do that. But what I like to think of it is um, that person is there to be there specifically for you. In the medical system, you know, you're in and out most of the time, 30 minutes. I'm there to help sort of think, talk you through with your emotions, how you're feeling, support you on that end, um, as well as help you create birthing plans if that's where we're at, um, help you to educate your families as well, whoever is supporting you within that space. And then also to advocate for you, which I think is a really big part of the work that I want to do. Um, Just to give you some context, women, um, black women specifically in the United States are four to five times more likely to die um, during birth or shortly thereafter birth. So our maternal mortality rate is four to five times higher than that of a white woman. Why, Why is that so? Does it have anything to do with genetically? Racism. Um, okay. Yeah, it has everything to do with racism. That's uh, a sexy word. Okay. <laughs> racism. Okay. Um. <laughs> say it slower for the niggas in the back. Racism. No, I say it slower for the white people in the front. <laughs> racism. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we have. So. So, they, so there is a. It's not so long ago that I, I, I was visiting a couple of podcasts and they were talking about how African-Americans are treated unfairly. Mm-hmm. Test results are are given unfairly, um, misdiagnosed for African-Americans as opposed of certain counterparts in certain neighborhoods. So the poor of the neighborhood, um, and especially when you live in a poor neighborhood, more than likely the people who are going to live in that neighborhood represent a specific color, usually black, Hispanic. Um, the healthcare in those neighborhoods are extremely poor. I mean, mm-hmm. extremely poor, especially when you have examples, especially in uh, Atlanta for, for mm-hmm. prep. Um, 
as much as you know, uh, PrEP is usually a form of medication take for people who have HIV, uh, it kind of blocks the receptors to pass the HIV virus on, and kind of just keeps the HIV virus in check. You can live a fairly healthy life. You can, you know, live a very long life just taking PrEP. Um, but the, the availability of that in certain neighborhoods are extremely rare, as opposed of in white um, middle class to higher class neighborhoods. I mean, they're pass- passing out prep like it's fucking candy. Didn't Frank Ocean have a prep party? Like, did he? I think he did. That's kind of cool. I fucked with that. No, nah, nah, it was, I, it was <laughs> it. a lot of fucking. It, it wasn't even no fucking. It wasn't even no fucking. Um, whatever. It was foolishness. But anyways, um, <laughs> I digress. Uh, yeah. So, um, so I guess what you're getting at is it just access to healthcare? So to be fair, and I will plug this briefly. Um, Ancient Song Doula's uh, services is where I train, and Chanel is. Uh, she's an amazing maverick of a person. Like Shout out she's to just Chanel. Chanel is just the the boss and in new york she's 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 the commit she's a part of the gender uh commissioners board so she is that woman um but no i think that there is this misconception and i think that's where us as black people have to unlearn a lot of stuff we we are often sitting in certain narratives that we need to unpack for ourselves um this disparity has nothing to do with how much money you have like take an example and i'll go back to what a doula does but like take the example of serena williams all right right very prominent (laughs) affluent um black woman and um she had to basically fight for her life after she had her daughter because she knew that she was experiencing some sort of clotting some sort of blood clots and the nurses would not listen to her. People would not listen to her. She had to continue to advocate for herself in a space where her hormones are all over the place. She just gave birth. I mean, there's so much going on with a birthing person's body after they give birth. And it's not the space where you want to have to really fight so hard for yourself. And of course, her lovely husband also fought for her. They got the ability to really get that scans that they needed and found out like, oh, she was really telling the truth there was a lot of clots that was there and that could lead to as we know blood clots can travel up to your heart cause you or up to your brain cause your stroke cause you to die right and this is an affluent um very famous black woman and even her she struggled right so it has nothing to do with the um access to healthcare. It really doesn't. I mean like yes, of course that's a factor, right? Of course that does play into it, but when we think about the broader systems, listen, in New York, black women are eight times the rate of a white woman to die. And it's New York, okay? So it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with this idea that just people don't listen to black people you know at simply put you know there's a lot of medical interventions that have been ingrained in us even passed down generational trauma that informs how we look at things like as much as we see that hospitals do not really work for birthing people in general especially black people but birthing people in general we still are pushed with the narrative that we should have a birth in a hospital again each his own Mm. but this idea of like Ooh, the baby not coming down. Let's use some Pitocin. It's like now we're putting the baby under distress and we're causing 
um, that distress is now increasing <coughs> the heart rate. And so the doctors are reading this and saying, now we need to give you a C-section, which is a major surgery. We are shifting people's organs to get a baby out. Like these are a lot of things that they have cause and effect and the yeah. trickle down effect is. I, I don't think people understand how serious a C-section is though. They don't because first and foremost, just to, you know, not to go off on a tangent, but like when you think about women, when, you know, or birthing people, when they, um, you know, are pregnant and they have to go on leave, if they need to take additional leave, what is it? It's for a disability. Being pregnant is not a disability. Um, When you think about just that mindset, right, just at its core, us thinking that being pregnant is a disability us also having birthing people take cues from people that are outside of their body and not the one person that's inside of their body. And what a doula is really there to do is to listen, is to support, to really say, okay, let's move you in this position. How are you feeling? What do you need? To really be that constant support. And I think like when we were at a time where there were midwives that were in the home before we moved to really it being very largely in hospitals, we had that support. You had the family support. The husband was helping to get the hot water or whatever the case may be. There was this communal um, sort of take upon birthing as well as these women were experts. They knew what certain moans mean, what certain tones mean. You don't get taught that in in medical school. You don't know what a tone is where it's like, ooh, that baby just, just dropped, that baby ready, or just someone who just kind of breathing through the pain. There's just so many different layers to birthing or just even abortion. Like, what does that feel like? You still have some hormones. There's still certain things going on. How can we support you postpartum? Which is really, really critical. Is, is extremely, arguably the most critical part of the birthing, or I would just say the afterbirth process. Um, I knew a friend of a friend of mine. She was a bartender at um, mm-hmm. at a bar that I used to uh, used to visit frequently. I knew the owner. The owner was a really good friend of mine, um, and she volunteered and helped a lot of women through the postpartum oh, nice. uh, portion. Um, the amount of depression. Mm-hmm. That were on these women after having a child is so insurmountable. She, I mean, she really like awoken my eyes to like how how serious postpartum like mm-hmm. emotions are. You know, you would think that having a child would be arguably one of the greatest things you could ever do in life, and to feel like the weight of not only the world but let's just add the moon. Jupiter and Saturn and maybe a little bit of Pluto right on top of your back. Mm-hmm. It's so, it's so bleak and like the process to walk through getting out of that fog. Cause I mean, depression mm-hmm. is a serious fog. If you, yeah. Yeah, it's a serious fog. If you've ever been, or if you know anybody that's been depressed or going through depression, it is not, you can't just pray your way out of it. It is a very lethargic, uh, process to get through. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know, I, I feel like with, 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 with that, like that's amazing that you guys like kind of help along that ride. Yeah. Cause I mean, p- people feel really fucking alone. Yeah. I think there's just absolutely. So where I want to really focus my space is on the postpartum for a multitude of reasons. One of which you mentioned one around just like the fact that women are not seeing a doctor for 
six weeks, right? So who stands in the gap in those six weeks to really help when it comes to bonding with your new child or birthing people, sorry, bonding with your new child? Um, And I keep saying birthing people. So for those in the podcast, the reason why I keep saying that is that there are people that live in the spectrum. You can have someone who is a trans um, gender person, but still has the the sort of reproductive organs that would allow them to birth. And so they may choose to birth, even though they may still see themselves as either um, within the spectrum, queer, or maybe they identify as a male, but they have decided for a multitude of reasons that they want to identify give birth. As a, yeah. Right. So they may identify as a male, but they may still have the female reproductive organs. Right. Okay. And in that case, they may decide to to give birth. Right. And if that is the case, again, that's why I keep saying birthing persons, because it's not just those who we call women. There are many queer people that also um, or people who identify as other sexes who do also choose to give birth. And I want to give respect to that. So that's why I say birthing Birthing. persons. Have you. Have you, in your encounters, have you experienced that? Oh, not yet. So, I mean, within the tribe that I have, there are people who use different pronouns, right? Okay. So that's also why I want to continue to say, like, birthing persons, because people use To give credence and respect to their... Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, but it's just, like... So I will say like the postpartum, again, that six weeks, the way your hormones, I mean, listen, your organs are shifting. Like, let's, let's be very clear. Your organs are shifting. All over the fucking place. They're shifting back down to their original spaces. Your hormones are now coming back down. You know, there, there's a lot of things happening within that six weeks where you can feel depleted. There are some people that do feel depressed, but there's also this narrative around postpartum depression, which I think is great. I think that that's being brought to life in a real way and there's also postpartum depletion which are just like people just needing better foods better like there's so many different things in that space of postpartum where you can need support where you can as a doula help to educate individuals who um to move beyond just oh i want to come over and see your baby right to a space of like hey I need help with doing my laundry. Can you help me? Or, hey, can you just, like, cut up these fruits for me? Like, no, I don't want you to see my baby right now. No, I don't want you to hold my baby. I just I just need this type of support. And really sort of to move the conversation between how can we support the birthing person, as especially in those first six weeks, um, as they move through this and they get new, used to this new normal. Um and so I think it's it's really important um, to really recognize that this, I mean, there's just so many examples. This country really has never been there for people of color. And so um, there have been systematic things that have been infused within um, the medical system, within Agreed. even the education of nurses and doctors where there's just areas where you know your body and you know that you may need some additional support and that's where a doula can come in. I had um, previously, uh, I've had a nurse um, uh, be a guest on a podcast mm-hmm. and um, we briefly spoke about um, uh, 
like certain health concerns, uh, high blood pressure, diabetes, especially mm-hmm. those things run rampant in the African African American community, uh, Latino community, um, especially people of color, uh, due to the uh, generational food that we have accepted in our culture, and we mm-hmm. continue to pass down and eat. The lack of knowledge that medical professions have, especially when it comes to dietary means, mm-hmm. is outstanding. Yeah. I mean, completely, like, asinine. Um, for instance, if you were to come to your physician, your physician was to say, like, man, yo, you know, your A1C is pretty fucking high. Um, let me give you this low-carb, uh, high-protein diet for you to follow. That's only just going to kick your insulin levels even higher and just keep them up there. Mm-hmm. And you're going you're gonna to progress to diabetes even though you're pre-diabetic. As opposed of your physician saying, hey, why don't we put you on a plant-based diet, Mm -hmm. remove all the carbohydrates, remove all the dairy, just drink water, uh, avoid smoking, and then let's see what happens. You know, the lack of, I guess the lack of basic knowledge of how to properly eat is, in this country, is really deplorable. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's sad because the people who get hit with this the most are usually the people who are most like disenfranchised, mm-hmm. you know, and now we have to reach out to I, quote unquote herbalists who are looked upon as like, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like charlatans or I something. Like doctors. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's sad because it's like, we have to reach out to people who just say like, listen, just have a plant-based diet and everything will yeah. be just fine. Take these herbs, take all of this. And it's just like, oh no, you're a witch doctor. You're like... You know, I'm a I'm a firm believer in Dr. Sebi. I follow mm-hmm. I follow a lot of uh, a lot of his practices, even though I am drinking protection. That's what I was about to say. But even you're drinking protection. Listen, but you know what's the thing about it though? I know one, I know what's the limit. Two, um though I follow a lot of his practices, I have to have respect and have fun as well. Mm-hmm. I may not have carbs. I may yeah. not eat bread. All of the sugary sweets and stuff like that. But it's nice to treat yourself to a glass of Prosecco every now and then. Absolutely. I think the the main thing, you know, that also I want to get along, uh, get around to it is just like choice. You have a choice here to sort of have the experience that you want. And I think that, yes, we are prone to certain diseases, but there's also now something that... And I don't know all the facts on this, so please, um, listeners, feel free to look this up. But around stress being um, seen as a real and true health concern within the African-American community, I think I heard something about that um, really being set somewhere, right? Like, not just us knowing it. But think about what causes high blood pressure. Listen, I saw a video today of a man, literally, I think he was a Latino man, young man, literally following everything to a T, and then still pulling pulling a gun on him and pulling him out his car because he said, they asked him if he has a weapon. He said, yes, it's registered. It's in the back. It's in the trunk. Like, I, I told you exactly what it was. And, and like, now people feeling threatened. It, it just, there's so many things that that stress, the way we hold on to it and how that will deteriorate us. I mean, obviously, those of us who know who use medical health professionals as well, understand how much is the black existence, the brown existence in the United States of America really impacts us health wise. And so it isn't always just what we eat. 
It's also why we're eating that way. And it's and also, also the environment that we're living in. And the environment. In. Yeah, right? Like, maybe I'm drinking a little more because I got to escape because of X, Y, and Z. Like, maybe there's I a smoke lot too of... much weed. You know, there's a post that I saw that was talking about um, smoking weed. And um, I think every now and again, it's nice to get high. It's really it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're smoking every single day... Mm-hmm. At a certain point in time, you're going to have to sit there and ask yourself, what am I escaping from? But that's anything, right? And I, I, I don't want people to think like, oh, first off, the, and I love this. I watched this Netflix um, movie, The Grass is Greener with Fat Five Freddy about just weed and how it was even classified in the way it was because it was seen as a threat to white existence. So basically it was, you know, marijuana or whatever you want to call it was brought over from brown people into the U.S. and people were just chilling with it, right? They're just relaxing themselves and white people saw it as a threat, saw it as a way that they could see like a, a black or brown person, um, being able to seduce their white women. And so like just that sort of storyline where it then became a class one drug where, uh, meaning that it's illegal or banned everywhere on a federal level. Um, and understanding that they've done studies and sort of hid the studies where they commissioned them. And it said that literally weed has no effect on you. Not like, no. All. And so I want to say this to say, and I, I appreciate I would that say example. That, hold on. But before uh-huh. you say that it doesn't have an effect, what I would say is these strands of weed that were released at that time are definitely not as potent. Well, no, you shouldn't be. I mean, maybe it's, it was a different type of potency because they weren't chemically fucking with it right but i think there's okay so that so i recently i just saw that there are people like between the ages of of course like fucking 12 to 21 that are that are growing with the acceptance of of marijuana please excuse me Mm -hmm. and so what happened is there was a growing concern of uh younger people being absolutely too fucking stone out their mind Mm -hmm. so one argument was Okay, the potency of the weed that we have now is not the same potency that your mom, your dad, your grandparents were used to smoking. You know what I mean? It's it's a regular green. You, you probably get a little bit of a highness from it. Maybe it's equivalent to if you had like a couple of glasses of wine and you just feel really nice, feel really relaxed, really loopy. Um, Certain strands that they have out today, the THC level is like, it's crazy. Like people are having real meditated processes while smoking weed. People have found a lot of their their inner demons while smoking. So I do want to give a little bit of credence to some of the people that say like, well, you know, weed is cool, but like we should really monitor like how well, do we're we doing say that with coke? Shit. Like, I feel like... But we Coke's keep... not widely... Exce- like, mean, I don't see people randomly like, oh... serious? In certain... Did you see the mess last night? In certain... Do a line right there. First and foremost, that shit happens all the time, especially in more corporate places, especially in parties. People are doing certain drugs. I just feel like we... The reason why I kind of, like, am hesitant on weed is because 
we just, again, just listening to that or even just the connotation, weed is always so much associated with black and brown people when we think about it in a negative way. Fucking when agreed. we think about it in a positive way, we think of white people smoking weed at Woodstock. And so sometimes I don't like that example because, again, it just really continues to push a certain narrative. At the end of the day, yes, know your fucking weed man, okay? <laughs> know him, period. Okay, stop smoking weed that look like fucking fucking coke like that looks white as shit like what are you doing right. of course yes dumbass like yeah this doesn't make sense you know like use some common sense like for real and that's the only reason why i just say with the weed example because i feel I'm like i'm assuming you had a really bad weed man that you knew no no oh, okay, i'm just right. saying like this whole idea <laughs> of like weed is i mean of course they're manipulated strands but at the end of the day Whatever you fucking do, whatever your vice is, right. know it, learn it, right? Learn make, it. Make, a, make, make love with it. I think that's I, your advice. Like yeah. whatever it is, know it in and out the way you should know yourself in and out. So that way you can manage that. And so, yes, for me, you know, I'm not doing no coke. You right. know, that ain't, that ain't going to flow with me. But I know people who do coke and are very, very functional and are fine with it. My shit is Prosecco. And that's the ride that I that I choose to get on every night, right? Like, or every now and then. I choose to get on this particular ride. And that's my shit. Some people be like, nah, can't do that. Know your vice. Right. Know the ride you want to get on. And stop making these generalizations. Of course, if you motherfuckers notice that weed isn't working with your body chemistry that's why i don't eat fucking edibles i yeah, had edible, an edible had, had a, and it fucked me up and i was like absolutely not talk We're about not your, wait, wait, wait 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 so <laughs> so wait 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 wait. you gotta give a you gotta give a little bit of con i had a really bad fucking trip with edibles as everyone has and motherfuckers still eat it it's stupid it's so wait stupid. wait wait so what happened with your trip what did what did you have where were you what happened like every dumbass does um ate way too ate much too much of it absolutely that's the story <laughs> that everyone does right get a brownie right you're like yo this shit tastes good as fuck because it'd be moist like them them no, and they're fucking them delicious good. they be mad chocolatey and moist like yes whatever you especially a brownie specifically yeah you gotta make it taste like ass they are moist Moist. Yeah, don't have. And they taste so I don't, I don't good. Wanna del- I don't want to. Del- <laughs> you know what it is about an edible. I don't want a delicious edible because it's gonna make me want to eat more. And that edibles. is what I did. That person hooked that brownie up. It was that good. And I had three fourths of it. So, and he used to have good, like really good quality weed, like Kush or whatever. Nice. So again, I don't really smoke. That's not my vice. But at this particular time, a few years ago. I was with one of my former associates. We were in the house and he ate so he smoked and then he he had a piece of edible and I was like, all right, all right, let me let me hit this. Let me eat this. I was like, yo, this ain't doing nothing so dumbass. Ate all of it. <laughs> ate the rest of it, like ate three fourths of it. Man. He was kissing God on his forehead and still getting higher. Man, I literally Although I I do not like Kanye West, um, and this will be the only time I speak about him. Okay. But literally the song like "Can We Get Much Higher," so high, like that was playing in my head after the hour mark. Like I was like, "Yo, who am is hitting?" Okay, <laughs> okay. Like, and the one thing I noticed is, um, first off, the only positive was that the notes of whatever we were listening to 
were they were hitting oh my god i heard everything i heard clarinets motherfucker like i heard shit that i had not heard in this song i was like wow they really have a french horn in here like what is happening this is amazing so i um <laughs> so that was the beautiful part of the trip right like i'm laying on the bed and i'm listening i'm like god damn they are fucking it up and this song my god um, and then it gets to the real dark side. And then side. it gets real. Like then it gets <laughs> real, and um, <laughs> it gets really real. And um, you are just so high, and <laughs> you want to come back, and down. you want to come back down, and you just keep getting higher, and you start getting. <laughs> I had laundry downstairs, and um. I had, so I had no blankets on my bed, right? And this is in the wintertime. And I had laundry downstairs. So my blankets was downstairs in the laundry mat. And I'm like, yo, I told told the person, I was like, yo, I got to go downstairs to get this laundry. Like, I need my blankets. They've been down there for a while. I don't want nobody right, to take right, them. Right, right. But I was so high, I couldn't really move. So I went in the, um, in the shower first. And I'm black. I'm a black woman. You know, and I had a weekend. Clearly. And I had, but nobody can tell. We're not videotaping this. So, um... <laughs> We, so you know, black woman, we know you just got your weave. You ain't wearing that weave unless it's wet and wavy. But I was so high, I was like, I have to get on high. But I wasn't too high where I was like, I started wetting the top of my head. I was like, uh, uh-uh, I just got this weave in. Mm-mm, I can't do this. So I sat back down on the bed and I couldn't move. And I prayed. I prayed really, really hard about <laughs> how I was like, God, if you just. I feel like I'm gonna die. And my associate at the time was like, just ride the wave. Just ride it. Like, motherfucker, I can't ride this wave. It's too much. And, and Wait, you felt like you was really, like, really, like, yo, no, I'm really about to die. Literally, I think when they talk about like your mind, like it's going. But no, I saw my soul lift from my body <laughs> and look at myself. On the bed, curled up with a very small jacket over me because I was cold. And like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I saw it and I know I saw it and I know I saw it and I don't care. And so I ended up waking up still high with a light jacket over me and an airline fleece blanket on my bed. Like, I was so cold and so high. And at the end of the story, motherfucker stole my blanket. Who stole (laughs) Like four o'clock, I was still fucking hot. I went downstairs at four p.m. and my motherfucking blanket was gone. Okay, someone stole your blanket. It was a pink blanket in Williamsburg. Y'all know what it is. (laughs) Y'all took my blanket. If you know, you know what you did. Tell her why you mad. You know what you did. Tell her why you mad. Blanket in twenty fourteen, nigga. I know you did it. Now, I don't know who took it, but someone took my blanket, and I was so mad. Hopefully, the person, I hope they hear this podcast so they can feel like <laughs> the most guilt in their heart for stealing your blanket. It's a pink blanket. It's a pink and yellow blanket, man. Then they stole they your blanket. My, they took my comforter. You they sure did. you didn't lose it? How I'm going to lose it? What you think? The the uh, dryer ate it? Cook. Like, no. It didn't get lost. It was downstairs. I went high when I was doing laundry. I got high after. Or during the process, and I left it down there. I'm f- I'm so sorry. So I'm like, it's not my blanket. That's all right. I am so sorry on behalf of all the blanket <laughs> stealers that are out there. I Please don't steal pe- pe- people. I hope there aren't too don't many steal of them. anybody's blanket. They really need that shit. Like they people, do, especially in the dead of the winter. Yeah, like d- don't steal people's blankets. Everybody needs that. 
everybody wants blankets and stuff yes. like that. So like, tell me your story about getting too high. Yeah. Jesus Christ. All right. So <clears throat> this is embarrassing. Okay. Um, it's it's really it's really embarrassing. Um, you were outside. Huh? No. <sighs> that one. Now I'll save that for another time. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Okay. So a friend of mine, she came up from uh, from uh, from Maryland. And she visits uh, D.C. pretty often. You don't look at the smile on his face. He's kind of like, this is a, like a special friend. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I hate you. He's, and, he's um, blushing, y'all. And, um, <laughs> not even red. Anyway. <laughs> we don't get red. We just get a little browner. Yeah, just a little oh, bit. 290 bit. Exactly. So she comes up and she's like, yo, um, she comes to my boy. Uh, she comes to, to Kanye. You remember Kanye? I do remember Kanye. Kanye goes by hey, the name. Hey Kanye. Hey Kanye. So every, you know, <laughs> so she she comes up and she's like, "Look, I got this brownie. Um, I bought you guys some brownies." And she was in a fucking aluminum foil, mm-hmm. and she was like, "All right." The first thing she said was, "Do not eat the whole brownie. It's gonna fuck you up." So I looked at her. I was like, "Bitch, bitch, I smoke weed. Like, what are you talking about?" She was like. Is this your first time eating edibles? I was like, yeah, that's my first time. She's like, don't eat the brownie. Eat half of it. It's going to fuck you up. I'm like, that's whatever. Suck my dick. You know what I mean? Like, tell me what I could do. Mm -hmm. So I eat half the brownie. Three hours later, I feel nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally, it's as if I just ate a regular brownie. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting in the car. She's out there trying. She's out there on a Van Wick Expressway trying to beg somebody for a Guinepas. And I'm, it, I don't know this how we got. summertime? Yes. So I don't okay. know how we got to the Van Wick, but she was like, go to the Van Wick. They're selling Guinepas. I need to get some Guinepas. I'm like, all right, cool. So we drive and I drop her off by the Van Wick so she can go buy Guinepas. Mm-hmm. Come back. I drop her back off of where she's at. I ate the other half of the brownie. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So my ex at the time, mm-hmm. she decides that she's gonna come over. So she comes over, and you know there's a part where when you when after you finish eating an edible, you're chilling for no reason. Yeah. The minute you kind of like move around, mm-hmm. that's when you know you're in Smackville. And I'm like, I got up and I'm like, holy shit. I don't know what the fuck I'm feeling. But everything around me is vibrating, and this is the greatest fucking feeling I ever had in mind. Mm. I felt so good. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to just touch everything, touch everybody. I just felt so. I felt so good. You sure this wasn't ecstasy? No, like, what was no. This? this was a brownie. <laughs> okay, okay. I wish it was ecstasy. This was a brownie. I haven't done ecstasy, but I really want to try it. I haven't done ecstasy either. I am nervous based on the brownie experience, so I won't. Don't, don't, don't be nervous. Just drink a lot of water. Um. So, so when I did, so me and her are playing around, mm-hmm. and I was like, I was like, yo, I was making out with her, and it was mad passionate for no reason. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, I want to finger pop you. And so I started finger popping her. Mm-hmm. And she orgasmed, and I felt the pulsing Mm-hmm. Of her vagina through my hand. It was the most. Oh my god! I cannot explain the feeling of feeling her orgasm, but I felt it touch all of my body, and I felt every pulse that she had. It was the same pulse that I had. Fucking surreal. Mm-hmm. She says, "I'm gonna leave," and so she's she's getting ready to leave, and I was like, "Oh, that's perfectly fine." 
And I'm like, that's when shit just got fucked up from that point. It got fucked up. I start laying down. I'm trying to watch TV. I start mm-hmm. seeing like geometrical figures start shooting from my eyes. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Then I felt like this grief, like, oh shit, I'm really about to die. Like, I'm really about to see God. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, I'm I'm dying. I frantically call Johnny and I'm like, yo, Johnny, Johnny. I'm about to, yeah, I'm like, Johnny, I'm about to, if you ask him about this story, he will tell you exactly what happened. I'm about to die. I need to see you at your house. I'm high as fuck. He says, bro, just come through. Mm-hmm. So I go over his house on some random shit and I'm trying to drive. Why would you do that? That's a really good question. Because I got so high. I got you. I got your bottle opener. Mm-hmm. I got so high that while the car was driving, I hopped out of the car to run. Oh, no. I oh, was this is terrible. I was all bad. fucked all the way up. So then, I, mind bad. you, Johnny lives three blocks away from me. It took me arguably 25 minutes to get to his house. I was that high. <laughs> Parked the car. Went in Johnny's house. I'm sitting here chilling. We're having a conversation. He's like, bro, what's going on with you? I'm like, dude, I'm fucking high as shit. I don't know what the fuck is going to happen to me. I was like, bro, I'm going to die. Just listen, tell my mother I love her. Um, mm-hmm. All of my money is left in this account. I was giving him, wow. the, I was giving him the account. I was like, I, I could have sworn yeah. to God. I, I was have never die. been that high. I was, I, was, <laughs> I was giving him the account number and all that shit. He was like, listen, bro, you're not going to die. Everything's going to be fine. I'm like, no, you don't fucking understand. I'm out of here. He was like, why don't you drink some water? Mm-hmm. He gave me a gallon of water. Mm-hmm. I was peeing nothing but water from 4 a.m. in the morning mm-hmm. to 10 p.m. in the morning. I got no sleep. Not 10 p.m. in the morning. I'm sorry, 10 a.m. in the morning. Wait, wait, 10 a.m. in the morning. I got no sleep. No, no fucking sleep. Mm-hmm. Couldn't sleep. I kept waking up and peeing. So, but the weed is like the high is coming down. So by eight o'clock, I'm like, I'm not tripping balls and shit like that. So I get in the car and I try to drive back. It took me about maybe 12 minutes to drive back. Again, we live three blocks away. Mm-hmm. It only takes me 30 seconds to zoom there, zoom back. So my homegirl calls me. She was like, yo, you good? I'm like, no. She's like, do you want pancakes? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> she was like, meet us at IHOP. So we meet at IHOP. And I'm with her, Kanye, and myself. We're sitting at the table. All of us look like fucking zombies. We were so zooted. The minute the food came in, we looked at the food. And we knew we wanted to eat it. But we were picking up shit. So I've never been that high in my life. (laughs) I've never never been. (laughs) And I promised myself I would never get that high in my life. Ever, ever, ever again. And I haven't. I haven't. But there are other drugs that I would like to try. I would mm. like to do DMT. Okay. Um I'm going to try to I'm going to try and find if I can uh get a DMT plug. I would like to do DMT. I mm-hmm. would like to do ecstasy. Okay. I don't want to do Molly. I think Molly's a little bit too much. Um and I'm not really I'm not really a big fan of um of the Molly experience from what I've heard. But okay. shrooms, shrooms, DMT, uh, and I think I'm pretty much done with that. I got a friend of mine who does cocaine, but he does it like really like every once in a blue moon. I'm like, you know, I love you, bro. I don't look at him any weird. I don't mm-hmm. look at him any different. I'm like, yo, you know what I mean? It is what it is. Mm. I mean, you know. But that's enough. For, but that, 
for my drug experience, I really don't want to do that. You know, I mean, edibles, I'm like, you know what? Once I see the THC level, I know, like, once it goes past, like, 60, uh-huh. I'm no good to no one. Okay. See, I, I had another, like, piece. I literally had a fourth of the tiniest chiclet size gummy and earlier this year, and I literally just was like, okay, wall. I'm done. No, not even off the wall. I was tired. I was literally tired. I was, like, falling asleep in my food. I was like, okay, I'm going to bed now. I'll see y'all later. Right. And I went, and I went to sleep, and that was that. So it was a different type of high, but, again, I... <laughs> cautionary tale to those of you you know just literally there's no writing on the package not at all but the package is suspect true when they say don't eat that shit all at once no i'm listen just don't do it don't do it if there's any word of the wise to people who are thinking about trying edibles if this is your first time and they give you something like a cookie or a brownie or a gummy and the gummy seems too big Eat half of that. Or too small. Or too small. Eat eat half of it. See how your body feels and then enjoy the high when you're having half of it. If you can tolerate it, then that's when you can eat a little bit more. Yes. Right? I've had an edible and I went to work. That was the most paranoid experience I've ever had in my entire life. Mm. I felt like everyone and their grandmother and their great-grandparents who have been deceased, but their spirits have came back to just watch me mm. do work. That, I will never do that again. Never do that again. Never. I don't know how people can wake and bake and then go to work. It's a difference. So, waking and baking is very different. I think the edible, because the concentration is so high. Very much so. It's very, it's a different experience. Whereas if I'm just like, take a couple puffs or whatever... I can regulate that shit. Like, you you can regulate your high when you're smoking. You cannot regulate an edible. Or at least I feel like I can't regulate No, you can't. I mean, once it hits you, it's hitting you. And that son of a bitch is there for about four to maybe ten hours, depending on what you have. Mm-hmm. And it's going to sit there in your system, and it's going to ride and ride and ride. And you're going to sit there and be on one long-ass roller coaster. That shit is not a 30-minute or an hour high. That bitch is going to be there for six hours and you're just going to be sitting there just tripping. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it's a good, uh, when you have a good amount and that you can handle, it's a good high. When you have an amount that's like way too much. So tell me about your good highs. Tell me about, tell me about the, tell me about what mischief you've gotten into on your good highs. You know what's so, it's boring as it sounds. Uh-huh. I did have sex high one time. Mm-hmm. That was arguably one of the best orgasms I've ever experienced in my life. Do tell. <laughs> this is the old that sexy, oh, that sexy podcast, podcast, right? So do tell. Come All on. Right, so it was awkward. So I was, um, I was seeing this girl. Mm-hmm. And how we ended up having sex was really, really weird. So she said, I need you to come with me to a funeral. And I was just like, what? And she, mm-hmm. was, like, she was like, I really don't want to do this thing by myself. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, I'll support you. You're a friend of mine. You know what I mean? Like, I know, I've known her for over, like, well, like, eight years. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I got your back. Don't worry about it. So I go with her to the funeral and, you know, just be there for moral support and shit like that. And um, 
The funeral service was beautiful, by the way, and it, it was a really good service and whatever. <laughs> it was. Okay. It was a good service. It was a good service. Okay. So, <laughs> after the whole service was over, she was like, all right, let's crack this bitch open. She opens up, like, a personal Henny mm-hmm. and Red Bull, and we just had two separate cups for, that we just got from the bodega, so we're, like, getting drunk as fuck. Because mm-hmm. usually, after a funeral, you just want to get drunk. So, she said, all right, mm-hmm. fuck that. She lights the weed up and show we was like smoking back and forth, smoking back and forth. We go to the repass. Repass is nice. We ended up having some like this is some ghetto shit. Super, super, <laughs> this is so ghetto. Super. We go to an Italian restaurant <laughs> for like. So uh, we go to an Italian restaurant for the repass. All right, beautiful Italian repass. We're having a great time. Boom. So we get back in the car after the repass and then we're getting high some more. We get back to our place. We ended up getting high some more, getting high, getting high, getting high. We smoked at least about six L's and we had, we just finished the Henny. The sex was when I nut, I felt every inch of my body leave. Mm -hmm. I've never experienced an orgasm that great. Mm. I mean, I was shaking. I was like, like, like I literally like, like when people talk about like their soul being gone, like mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, I've never had an orgasm that intense. Never. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it was so fucked up is that it happened after a fucking funeral and I'm like pounding the living shit out of this girl. I'm like, damn, this thing is dead. Because you know when you're high as fuck, you start thinking about shit. I'm mm-hmm. like, damn, this pussy's good. Damn, he's not gonna enjoy no more pussy like this ever in his life. Cause this nigga's dead. Damn, it's fucked up. This nigga's dead. I'm about to come. Yeah, I'm gonna come. And I come, and I'm like, oh my god. So during the midst of coming, I'm like, oh, this nigga's dead, and I fall back. I scream out, this nigga's dead, and I fall back while coming. <laughs> so she looks at me. She's like, what did you say? And I'm like. I'm like, damn, that pussy's good. She was like, oh, oh, all right. And she, I'm pretty sure she knew yeah. I said, yo, yeah. this nigga is dead. And I'm like, I fall, and I mean, I fall back. But I'm like, yo, in my mind, I'm like, yo, I'm so high. And I'm like, yo, this nigga is no longer living. He cannot enjoy pussy like this. And I'm high wow. as fuck. I'm high as fuck. <laughs> that was the one, but I, when I tell you, I had like, like high sex, high sex is some of the best. Drunk sex, you don't want that. I don't want drunk sex. Drunk sex gets really sloppy. Um, people look at you like fucking weird. Drunk sex is like, I don't know. You get it up sometimes. Sometimes you don't. Like shit is just really weird. You end up eating pussy for longer than what you really wanted to eat it for. Like it's really like, <laughs> like it's not like, it's not. It, drunk sex is like it's not that good. But high sex, phenomenal. Okay. Phenomenal. Have you ever had sex high? I have. I have. You tell. Um, no, this is just like with, uh, with a former, uh, ex of mine, we used to, we used to smoke a lot. And, um, I remember bringing back, this is probably the one kind of really good sex story around that. Um, is I brought back some purple, like some granddaddy kush, right? I've had that before. Mount Vernon. Oh, I've had mine from Cali. Yeah, oh, I've had Calibri. That should that should get you stuck. Yeah, that should get you um, like, that should get you real stuck. But I had some. Yeah, this was the only time that I had weed that actually made me 
horny. Because I was just smoking. It wouldn't make me horny. It's just you just high. Right. Whatever you stuck, you you <laughs> you laughing, like you just high. You high as fuck. I never had like horny weed. Like weed that just make you go, oh, we about to fuck. Like we about to go in on this. Like and so that was that was um that was back when I had Meg the Stallion knees. Like that was when I could <laughs> When I, you know, and I use them knees, okay? I use them motherfuckers, okay? Froggy style, cowgirl, reverse cat, all that shit, With okay? the platform heels on or not? Nah, not really? Nah, nah. We nah. was on the twin bed fucking. We <laughs> <laughs> was on twin bed fucking, okay? We were fucking going fucking. at it. You're fucking fucking. You know, sometimes, ladies and, and those who are listening, you understand. Not all the times, depending on what you... Listen, let's be honest. Sometimes, you don't always get a man to net when you're on top, right? You're just doing it sometimes with visuals. Yeah. Sometimes it's good for you. Yeah. Sometimes that's your shit, but sometimes it's really just about the visuals. It honestly. is. It is. It is. So, you know, it I is. love when people just like... I'm glad that we can be real about this because a lot of shit is just for the visuals. But when you can get a man in there when you on top, that shit feel like you the motherfucker. You be like, yup, that was me, nigga. I fucked you. I fucked you. And then you get off and you suck his dick because you be like, I fucked you. And he be like, ooh, baby, no. You're like, yup, nigga. Wait, wait, time. Wait, hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, cause, no, there's some, there, there are, there are, okay, let's. Let's backtrack let's about that. We'll bring it up. Let's we'll bring, bring it back. back. All right. We'll so like back. you ride it, you ride it. He he let go. You know what I'm saying? And then you suck him right after. Yeah. Please tell them that is the cheat code of all cheat codes. <laughs> it is. If you're trying code. to get ladies, I'm telling you. If you try to make him feel like you the one. Yes. Get off after he nuts. Suck his dick because he'd be like, because no man wants to feel that vulnerable. But then be like, oh, you nasty. Let me t- no, let me you tell you something. Like, and you just like make it so you choke on it a little bit. Yes. Even if he's four inches, just let him know, like, oh, I can't really handle let, it. Let, let the spit get down his balls real quick. Chat. Oh, and, my God. And then be like, who, who, huh, baby, wait. Yo. <laughs> that, this is, best. no, that's cheat code. Don't do that. That is cheat code. I'm telling, I had a post about that, about women, how they give head. Let me tell you something. If your lady lays down and get comfortable, like she's about to give you head, for 30 minutes straight with no complaints, I'm telling you, fellas, that is arguably the one you need to settle the fuck down with. Because if she's sucking you off that lovely, you're going to let go. Nah, laying down head is 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 lazy. Like. No, when you when you lay it, like he's here, and then the meat's here, and then you just like take, like, like he could, like, I know there's no visual here, there's all audio, but it's like... To differ, I feel like when you' about to get on your knees and you don't need to, Lord have mercy. That's when it's the. That's when you finna do something with it. When you get, cause men are all about visuals. So if you let a man either either he laying back and you on your knees, you don't have to be on your knees. But if you on your knees and you maybe arch your back so you can see it to it, why you doing what you doing? Mm. Cheat code. If you let him stand up, you like, nah, baby, stand up. And then you put his hand on your head, be like, yo, you can you can control this. You control this mouth. Like, you you can fuck me. But you really, you fucking him? Another cheat code. Laying down is lazy. Don't lay down on it. Don't. Don't. If you want it, and especially, especially ladies, if you don't really want to suck the dick too long, 
do it with the visuals. The visuals will get him every time because men just are well, like, no, 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 we're gonna change the subject. No, 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 so the Democrats have to have, do it so long. The Democrats okay. have majority Anybody of the house. Anybody doing the damn Democrat shit? Stop it! Cut it out! Cut it out! You can't be giving out like. I'm sure there's some pussy and cheat codes that y'all got. Yeah, I would never tell that. I mean, you should. Um, you no. should. What's the pussy and cheat codes? Please tell those who are into eating pussy. The pu- Go for it. <clears throat> so it's not so much about visuals with women. It's all about rhythm. Mm-hmm. Rhythm is consistent rhythm. Finding a rhythm that they like and consistently playing that rhythm. So you just, for instance, it's not about sounds with them. They don't want to hear like you just sucking and licking and moaning and all of that shit. Like that shit really don't do it for them. But if you're playing with the kid and you're like kissing it and there's a there's a pace, most women have a specific pace that they like on the clip. And then once you know that pace, then you can fool around with other things like within that. So it's let's say for instance that there's a fast pace to it. She likes it really fast. She likes to clip stimulate it really fast, as if your fingers are licking it, as if your fingers are like playing with it. Did you mimic the tongue for that? Some women like a long lick and a kiss, long lick, kiss, long lick, kiss. And if you can continue that pattern, then the orgasm will will happen. Then you have to. You have to be a real like maestro with it. So you have to play with both of the breasts, then lick, and then when she gets ready to come, let her come in your mouth, and you continue to keep licking. That there's the cheat code. Boom. <laughs> and then once That's she's starting it. to push you off, you slap her hands away, and you continue to keep licking. If she tries to move, okay, here's the cheat code of all cheat codes. There's a there's a thing that most women truly enjoy and they like, especially if they they like a strong masculine presence. Because there are some women do who don't like extremely masculine men. They want to be the dominant, especially in the sexual field. So one thing that you can do is after she has orgasm and you know usually most of the time she's gonna tell you like push you off or try to kick you off or whatever. Don't let that happen. Stay there. Continue to softly lick on the clip because it's very sensitive at this point. So you don't need to lick it as hard as you were licking it before, but continually lick it. Cheat code. Grab her legs, pull her back because at this point in time, she's going to move away from you. Grab her legs, pull her back, and continue to stuff the clit and the vagina in your mouth at the same time. I'm pretty sure you're wondering how the fuck do you do that? Trust me, if you open your mouth wide enough, all of that will flick there. Keep, continue to keep licking the clit, hold it down, continue to keep licking the, licking the clit, hold it down, massage the stomach a little bit. She's probably going to have another orgasm again. Boom. And then once you get up, this is what you really do. Because now there's a little bit of there's a little bit of visualization for, for women. If you have a beard, or if you don't, that's perfectly fine. But if you have a beard, what you want to do is you want to take the juice from the beard, throw it to the side... And sit back and just watch her. Okay, okay, that's that's that little kinky stuff. 
Uh, <laughs> and if you don't, if you for 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 the men who have found it very difficult to have a beard, literally wipe your mouth, throw the juice to the side, and just sit there patiently, and just wait for her to come down. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you would have ate her out before, and then after you know, let's say for instance you haven't did any uh, penetration, then you sit there wait for her to come down, then slowly penetrate and get yours. Or if you penetrated already and you ate it, turn her over on her back or turn her over on her side and continue to penetrate. And then at that point in time, the pussy's yours. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do with it. I think there were some good tips there. The one tip that I want to highlight, okay, for y'all out there, is after the orgasm, continue to keep slow, it slowly lick, slow. Y'all motherfuckers yeah, be you can't, thinking you can't that go... it's the same. It's not the no, it's same. Not the it's same. way too sensitive. Yeah. You cannot be on it like you were before. And sometimes y'all don't even have to go that fucking hard. To be honest, most women are not using their vibrators on that 10 speed. Bingo. They're using it at like maybe it's faster than the average, but it's not on 10. No, it's so not. if you want to be on 10. There's a different orgasm that happens when you stay at like cruise control. Yeah, nigga, yeah, 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 yeah. You stay at cruise control. That's that blackout orgasm. So I want you to understand <laughs> what is happening. Learn your partner. Yes, learn them. But that slow afterwards is essential, no matter who it is. You know what's so you know what's so interesting. <laughs> you say that I was really. Uh, um, I was debating on starting a class for men to learn how to eat uh, pussy better. Okay. And um, that, that thing might still be in there because, you know, I think a lot of men just genuinely don't know. What are you going to use as the example, though? That's a very interesting point. And um, I was thinking about, like, possibly hiring. Well, that's prostitution. So I'm going to keep that on the low. But- I was about to say, because at least for the woman that did the grapefruit and shit, she we could use a, a banana, a cucumber, yeah. things that I was thinking about phallic. maybe, like, eating a mango or, a, or, or some type of fruit. Maybe a papaya. And then um, at least that has some type of, like... Um, familiarity uh to to what a vagina would look like and it's it's more about the thing about what a vagina is that as delicate as you may want to treat it there's certain points in time where you would have to treat it very delicately mm-hmm. and there's certain points in time where you have to like literally just pin her back and eat it and not in an aggressive form but just more in a engaged um in an engaged form so you have to you have to Pin her legs back. Let her know, like, you're, like, I'm in control of this. Mm-hmm. They want to see that. If she wants to grab your head, let her grab your head. Let her manipulate the head. Women like that. They want to they mm-hmm. feel your head. They want to grab your hair. Let her manipulate it. Do all of that shit. Um, what I've noticed is the one thing that make women's uh, knees get weak is when you're on your knees and you're eating her box. Mm-hmm. That is an interesting dynamic because now she's she's probably not used to the whole I'm standing up and getting my pussy head at the same time. She's not. Most of the time she's usually laid down or sitting down and a guy is just like servicing himself. But for the fact that he's on his knees and he's like grabbing, touching the breast, grabbing the ass, feeling it, being very soft and gentle with the hands. And then like 
rhythmically, like licking the clip. That's when I've noticed that like you get more bang for your buck. That's a cheat code. It can be definitely. Um, it definitely can be. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. It can definitely be one. Um, I'm not going into my personal preference, but I. I will say everybody has their personal preference. Um, what is your personal wait. preference? Uh, we don't need to go into all of that. Um, I just, we don't I need think, to touch that. We. I just. I just think that no matter what you do, commit to it. That's it. I think in sex, it's all about passion and it's all about commitment to it. Whatever that is that you're engaging, you do that motherfucking. You do it well. Yeah, I think passion. I think passion is one of the things, especially on the male side, um, that genuinely lacks when it comes to like um, sexuality. They need to feel. Your partner needs to feel that passion, that um, fire that breathes inside of you to let them know that they're wanted, to let them know that that you want them. It's mm-hmm. nothing more erotic to know that you're wanted. It's not like, oh, man, yeah, let's fuck because we want to fuck. It's like, no, I want to fuck you. I want to be with you. I want to be inside of you. There's a part of you that I need to get out. Like That's mm-hmm. a very erotic sexual feeling. Men need to exhibit that, especially when they're with their their counterparts. They need to exhibit that at all times. They need to let their woman know, like, you know, I crave you. I crave your touch. I crave how you graze my face. I crave how um, I crave how you smell. I want to touch you. I want to get behind you and smell you. I want to kiss your neck. I want to do so many different things to you. But all in all, it's letting the your your female know, or maybe your male partner, it's letting your partner know, I need you, I want you, mm-hmm. I'm craving you, I want to feel you. When they know that, like the sex get like ten times more passionate, mm-hmm. and really not slow, but it gets more like intense. It's like, damn, like this nigga yeah. really like he's like. Intimacy is key out here, y'all. I mean, I think passion is so much a part of, like, sex that people don't talk about. And maybe it's because some people don't know what that is or what that feels like. But, like, when you really, like, again, crave a person, when you are are intimate with them where touch and all of those things come into play, and they can just come into play... Just in general, language comes into play. I mean, listen, if you talk of a really specific game Mm. over text message, Mm. that's also a part of the foreplay. It's also a part of intimacy, man. There's so many components. Because let me tell you, most of y'all, y'all knows to do with y'all stuff. I would say that for the ladies. Y'all don't know but what to I do mean, with that. in general. But here's the thing. I would say that I found... Well, first off, I found more confidence after being 30. Definitely. I, yeah. Um, 30 hit... I'm, I'm 32, y'all. I just turned 32. You don't look it. Uh, well, I feel like that's such a weird thing that people say. Like, we well, supposed to look decrepit like a little no, raisin in no, the sun? No. Supposed to look like no, a no, dream no, deferred? No. Like, what okay, is no, no, no. look like? There were pe- no, 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 no. There were people who are 32 that Ooh, look... black people? Okay, there were people... <laughs> there, yes. There were people who are 32 that look well over 32. There are people who are 32 that look well over... Um, 
45. There are people who are 32 that look like 25. So what age do I look then, since Mm, you say that? I'm 27. Ooh, five years younger. (laughs) Fucking asshole. (laughs) Okay. Ooh, thank you. Um... (laughs) Sarah, I hate you. I hate you. Like, from the right atrium of my heart. See, the left atrium was giving you all the love. The right atrium was giving you all, like, I, all the hate. I was like, okay. Um, sure. Mm. <laughs> Good old 27. <laughs> I remember that. I bet you um, No, I that was shit. Anyways. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I sound like somebody auntie, some old auntie. But that shit, that was a deep shit. Oh, man. Shit. Oh, my um, Lord. Have mercy. <laughs> what were we talking about? We were talking about <laughs> intimacy. Yeah, I mean, listen, y'all. That shit is so key. Uh, <laughs> most of you, I mean, not even most of you, I think there has been this real focus on when we think about women empowerment, and I don't know, I would love to hear your um, opinion about women empowerment in this movement. Like, when we think about the Cardi B's, when we think about Meg Thee Stallion, who is fucking beautiful, but, like, beyond beyond that, like, when we think about how women empowerment has shifted somewhat in the mainstream when um, women are more owning their sexuality, but what does that mean so more for intimacy? Because again, now we're really highlighting the fact that, yeah, this is my pussy. I could do what I want with it. But like intimacy is so, it's so key, so much bigger than penetration. Y'all it's um, It's so much bigger than that. So, so there are several fronts that I want to hit. So there's a, Okay, in in the first front, when it comes to intimacy, there's a game of seduction that um, I realize that people fail to understand that that is that is a very serious marathon. When you're having a partner or you're interested in being in a long term relationship, the seduction doesn't stop the minute that they become your girlfriend or let's say for instance wife or husband. So you constantly have to keep seducing your partner now whatever that means to you whether that means um spicing up the relationship sexually whether that means romantic dates whether that means uh, grand gestures of appreciation that doesn't stop because you have that person in a committed relationship you have to continually and i stress this i stress this severely you have to continually seduce your partner seduction is not a mind manipulation game it's literally the act of just creating desire for yourself with your partner it's not manipulation it's just let me wear a sexy outfit for my partner let me do something really nice and generous for my partner let me let my partner know that i love them and i appreciate them and i want to touch them Seduction is is more than just like, I'm just going to put on heels and look cute. Seduction is, let me rub your back and whisper something absolutely dirty and disgusting in your ear, and I'm just going to walk away from you. But I've been with you for 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's seduction. Seduction is 
the feeling of someone touching your face and looking at you as if you're the most beautiful person in the world, but you've been together for X amount of time. Like, that's seduction. Mm-hmm. That is an important part of the aspect of dating. Now, as far as women empowerment, I think we're getting to a phase where men are starting to realize how the female sexuality is into play. And uh, yeah, and a lot of men can't handle that. A lot of men can't handle the fact that that's your vagina. You're going to do whatever the fuck you want to do with it. Mm-hmm. A lot of men can't handle the fact that you can choose who you want to fuck, how you want to fuck, when you want to fuck with anyone of your choice that is selected to you. Mm-hmm. Men can't handle that because they're 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 basing their knowledge on the archaic way of if she has feelings for me and she loves me, she's going to do X, Y, and Z. And that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. That's not always what a woman wants. Sometimes a woman wants that pseudo-masculine male to completely dominate them. Sometimes she doesn't want that. Mm-hmm. You have to understand your woman. You have to understand your partner. You have to understand the person that you're going to deal with. And you have to understand that as a male, and if, you, if your attraction is towards the female, that you're going to have to give some respect. You're going to have to give credence to how her sexuality comes into play. I think when it comes to women owning their sexuality, that's great. Mm-hmm. I also think that because you own it, that doesn't mean that you're exonerated from the poor choices that you make when it comes to choosing your sexual partners. So, for instance, if you decided, you know, the 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 the, the narrative in the hood is pookie and them. Mm-hmm. Pookie got it going. Pookie could bang your fucking pussy all the way the fuck out. If you choose to deal with Pookie and you see Tyrell who's working a nine to five job and doing his thing and, and everything like that, but you don't find Tyrell attractive because he don't got the same swag as Pookie, Pookie got. If you choose to deal with Pookie and oh boy, Tyrell looks at you like, yo, you used to deal with Pookie. Like, I'm on this another wave. I'm doing this. I don't really find you attractive you can't curse them out because you chose at a certain point in time i don't want to deal with men like you i want to deal with men like this because this is what i'm attracted to um see this is where i defer with that a little bit if we're using that particular example because again when i think of a woman empowerment um specifically in the sexual space if I wanted to go fuck Pookie because I knew that I needed to be satisfied. To satisfy in that way, then Tyrell shouldn't feel no way about that shit because it's not his it's not his vagina. And like in that moment, that's what I need as long as I was safe, as long as I'm good. Like that is what I decided to do. Right. But if you're but let's say for instance you decided to deal with Tyrell and say, like, hey Tyrell, um, Granted, you're free to give up what you want to give up to whatever man that you want to give it up to. And let's say, for instance, Pookie doesn't have, he doesn't go through the same hoops as Tyrell does. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But when Tyrell figures out, like, I have to work hard 
to gain the sexual affinity that someone else didn't have to work hard for. And I'm on an economical status, on a social status, on a longevity status, I'm proving to be the best partner. Some men might feel like I'm not going to do that. Well, here's the thing. What do you mean affinity, sexual affinity? You mean just to have sex? Like, what exactly do you mean by that? Meaning, like, the access. So, there's... So, okay. So, there's a difference between, like... Have you had sex with someone differently than you have sex with someone else? Meaning, like... I mean, everyone has sex differently with But are you more... Let's say, for instance, are you more submissive to one partner than you are to someone else? It depends on the partner. Why? Because everyone has different energies. Okay. We we cannot... This ain't a job. We're not robots. No, I'm no, ma- no, 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 no. No, but what I mean is like I'm matching your energy. So whatever this is going to click to make it work, then we match each other's energy. So maybe in that space, I need to be more dominant because that creates a balance for us to have our best time. Okay. And that is where... I need to assert myself or if I'm with a more dominant partner, then I need to fall back a little bit. Okay. Because then it allows us to create a balance. Some individuals may not have the wherewithal to understand that. So, and that's where, that's why I would pose the question. Let's say for instance, you're with a male who in some facets is not the most masculine, but in the sexual realm, you mean dominant? Like, what are you saying by masculine? Yeah, I, hate I feel like masculine. No, I hate to use. I hate, no, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hate to use that word. Yeah, I don't want to use it. About dominant? I hate to. Yeah. Oh God, cause I. Oh, like, yeah. What, what do we mean? Sure. I mean, we could use dominant for the lack of. Well, no, 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 no. There's a better term. What do you mean by masculinity? Now we're going somewhere else. What meaning mean more. Mean more assertive. Meaning more. Okay, cool. Dominant. Meaning more. Um. More, I don't know, forceful is an unattractive word. We're not going to use that word. We'll just say dominant. Okay. Cool. Let's say, for instance, the guy that you're interested in is a switch. Very gender fluid. He doesn't mm-hmm. mind giving the reins, but at some point in time, he wants to pull the reins. It's very okay. gender. He, he's, he's very gender fluid. Gender fluid. Okay, we're... We're starting to a get role, a role, a role, a role. Okay, not gender fluid. Different Let, terms. And let's these, do role. Let's do role fluent. So he can. He's a switch. Okay. At some point in time, he's a submissive. At some point in time, he's a dominant. Okay. Okay. Let's say, for instance, he's submissive in the romantic part of the relationship, mm-hmm. but he really wants to be dominant in the sexual aspect of it. Okay. Do you respect it? Mm, I guess it depends on how it plays out. Because here's the thing. Um, Again, I think that what we're trying to talk about more so is like, how does intimacy play out as a full spectrum? into within the narrative of of you know intimacy whether it be sexual or or not how does that play out right or for least sex or not i think that it really depends on your partner so for me if there's this idea that you'll fall back in all the romantic things and let me lead the charge 
and the but with sex you 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 want to be you know the one who is called daddy and like you know you you want to do all these different things I think that you have to understand whatever turns on your partner so for me that particular switch doesn't work right that narrative of oh I'm just gonna if we're again if I'm making the assumption that that means that when it comes to romance and intimacy I lead the charge but then when it comes to the bedroom you you lead the charge no that's not gonna work because my love language doesn't um work that way my love language works in a way where you are active and you are present and you are showing that you care. But for other people, it it may work that way, right? Like I I would say for me personally, that particular um, dichotomy doesn't work. But for others, perhaps it does. It just doesn't work for me. That's where the, I guess that's when the issue lies. Because for some men, um, there's a lack of authority that they can exert whenever it comes to um, sexuality. I think men are nowadays more persecuted because of the the amount of sexuality that they want to expose. So for instance, it's for, so for instance, if a guy wants to be a little bit more dominant inside of the bedroom, they may be afraid to exert that because they're afraid of looking, uh, like a brute. They're afraid of looking like quote unquote, unfortunately a rapist. They're afraid. Yeah, this is this. And, 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 a different space. We are right going now. to. We are We're, going to. But, uh, but here's the thing I, you about think it. That's what people, men are thinking right now about a racist. Like, yes. I mean, a rapist, a racist. <laughs> They're fluid. Um, do you? Do, no, truly. Do you feel like? And I'm not talking about in the generalization. I'm talking about with you and your homeboys. Do y'all really think of consent okay. as thinking of rapists? Because like, here, here, I don't want to be so general. Now I want to get really specific. Okay, so here's so I've had a, I had a recent group uh, conversation within me and my um me and my male chat group, right? Yeah. Cool. So it's about me and four to five other guys, right? Okay. Now how I am in the bedroom is, um. I'm very dominant and I have no problems with switching when the switch is requested. And by requested, I don't mean like you have to fill out a paperwork and da da da. But the switch is if you, let's say for instance, like I want to ride on top, I'm very fluid to that. I have no problems with giving a woman um, control and power. In fact, I find it really refreshing. So I'm very dominant. So when I when I choose to have sex with a partner, my sex is very dominant. I'm very hands-on. I grab, I hold, I borderline sometimes may choke, not for pressure, but basically you you're feeling every single thing that I'm giving you. Mm-hmm. I give you harder strokes. Um I may grab your hair, I may grab your neck, I may grab your shoulders, and everything is is felt. You're feeling me. Mhm. St- 
when I explain how I have sex, some of my male friends say that's borderline rape. Because a woman could be in the middle of that and they could be like, well, I felt like he raped me. Rape charge. But is that, is that just... That's a, and, but that but is, that here, is a real, that is a real But I think that fear. that is because of the fact that this idea of consent to think about, um, oh God, oh my gosh, I'm seeing her face. So vividly in in my mind. Is she part of the Me Too movie? She started Me Too movie, Me Too movement. She started it. So I was listening to um, her. No, hell no. It was a black woman. Her name starts with a T. I know you're talking about. Um, but when she was on Jamil Hill's podcast, okay, and they were just like talking about you know Me Too movement things of that nature. I feel like that's very interesting, and I think that's where your male chat could really benefit from a woman coming in. And I think this idea of consent, it's jarring to people because it makes people realize that some of the actions that they took in the past didn't really have full consent. But what that also means is that maybe the person really didn't understand where they should have asserted themselves. So it's not to make you feel guilty. It's just to make you feel aware. What you want to do in your own... So a lot of times women, I think, although this narrative has been changing, um, most of the time, like, first off, like, even as a as a youngster, okay. you're not taught that touching yourself is okay. Right. Okay. So learning yourself as a woman to to understand what your pleasure is, is not always seems OK. This newer generation is learning it differently. And thank God for that, because they are able to understand themselves more without the company of another partner. So that's really empowering. But most of the time when you see sex, even in movies and things of that nature, it is the man dominating, especially in any time black sex scenes come. What is the man doing? Back shots. Maybe he's if even if it is a woman riding, he's still very much the aggressor. He's still very much the one who is very physical in that space. Okay. So what do you but in in the same space that you're watching it? Let's say, for instance, you're. Let's say we could switch places, and you're the woman. When you're receiving pleasure, uh-huh. do you want it the same way that that male is giving it? So what I'm saying is that sometimes, especially when you're younger, or not even younger, or where you don't feel empowered, you don't know. So you don't know. It takes that a lot of experimentation. It it takes a lot of. Um sort of permission to experiment at first to give yourself the okay that like my kinks or like the fact that I want to say, especially if you're in a relationship to my man, because the male ego is so fragile at times. So So it's a female. So no, when I'm saying society wise, a lot of times women are are meant to think like, or at least in my space, that like when a man is having sex again, you think of the visuals that we see in any movie that we see. Okay. There's usually if a woman does step in and say, mm, you you not eating it right. 
she's meant to think of like, oh, she's a rebel. She's not just your everyday protagonist, right? She's like the one who's a little more sassy. Not just the everyday woman that's like, yo, I don't, I don't like the way you eating this. Like, I actually want you to spread my lips. I want you to do something different. Or like, actually, I want you to do longer, deeper strokes. Like those sort of conversations, even when we think of, again, the broader society and movies okay. that we see aren't really there. So when you think of what your example, unless your mother or your parent is not talking to you about sexual empowerment and learning yourself first, you're still relying on these other visuals. I understand. Okay, so I had a podcast. Um, I had a podcast earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Priscilla. And my podcast basically had, I, I basically had said like a story that my mom had told me where um, my mom sat me down. I was 20 years old at the time. And she basically gave me the 411 on how to have sex with a woman from a woman's point of view. Okay. And it, the one thing that she's always said out and stuck out, it was like, you don't have to be a jackknife and pound the shit out of her. Some women like that, but most don't. True. So... I've learned game on how to please a woman based off of based off of the experiences of a woman. Here's my thing. We give a lot of leeway to individuals who have no idea about their sexuality. Mm-hmm. to make a significant choice about what they want to receive and what they don't want to receive. When I was 22, what I liked and what turned me on is vastly different than now being 32 and mm-hmm. what I like and what turns me on now. When I was a very younger male, the sex that I liked is not the same sex that I like as a 32-year-old male. I don't want to, I, I think everyone has the permission to explore their sexuality. I, t- I cannot agree with you more. Mm-hmm. I cannot agree with you more. I think the problem is, is that when you explore it and when the sexuality that you've explored does not fit the narrative of what you wanted it to be, you can't cry wolf. That's the fear that men have in today's culture. Uh-huh. Take the uh um what's the comedian Aziz Azari? Um I'm pretty yeah. sure I said his name wrong. Mm-hmm. Went on a bad date with a young lady. The date just did not go well, right? But in his mind, she's given him all of the signals of saying this is a pretty good date. So he chose to lead in and try to be intimate with her. Mm-hmm. She said no. He said Cool, called her at Uber. A couple of days later, there's his name in the paper. He's a rape. He's a rapist. Well, that's a little bit different. Um, but I mean, but I you see, gonna, how- I was I was gonna say something that was very controversial, but whatever. Um, I I say that no, shit. No, wait, what say- was the accuser? Say. That I'm sorry. Shit. In in history, and I'm and again, I really don't want to take this as a space when we're talking about rape conversation. I just think anecdotally, there's been a lot of white woman tears. She was white. I know. And and here's the thing: I think there's been a lot of white woman tears. However, 
rape is very serious. Um, abuse is very serious. Very. Sexual assault is very serious. And so, but there's a lot of white women tears. There's a lot of people wanting to be seen. And I think like, again, the, the black experience is very different. I think we've had to be more critical from a safety perspective. And so when we say things, believe black women for the, you know, I really feel like you should believe black women also. That means that we do have to hold black men accountable for the fact that most of the assaults that are committed aren't committed by the boogeyman. They're committed by black men in our communities. Period. Okay. Period. Okay. See, this is where we have to go. Full stop. Define assault. Where assault is any violation against your body, against your person, where you did not have the autonomy over your body, whether it be when we think about young people who've been molested, black women who say, listen, I've been raped or molested most of the time, it's going to be not this creeper white man, it's someone within our community. And I think the assault that black men, unfortunately, have taken against black women is something that we often do not talk about. I agree. When we when we think about this, but just to kind of not go so deep into that space, when I think about consent, I think you have to use your fucking common sense. Most of the time, people in your group chat, are they're, they're grown, okay? You can ask the woman, what do you like? And if she's like, no, you can be like, hey, <laughs> Is it no or is it no? And that's where you can start to use your own um, grown assness and be like, listen, I really like before we get into this, this I want to really respect you. So here's the thing. If you say no, I'm going to take it as a hard stop. But if you like what I'm doing, let's change that word. Let's let's use a different word. Because maybe you're like, you want me to go slower. You want me to go faster and say that. Don't just say no. Because if you say no, I will stop. Because for me, no means Means stop. Right. And so that's where that's the mature conversation. Where you can literally be like, hey, no means fucking no to me. I could agree to that. As opposed to me like, oh, well, am I consenting? No, you absolutely are in the same driver's seat. Tell someone when they say something to you, this is what this means to you, and this is how I would treat it. Because at the end of the day, your dick is precious just as much as my vagina is. Um, This is an exchange of energy, and you have every right to say, I actually don't like the way you change it. Like, the same way if someone was bouncing on on top of you all stupid, and you'd be like, yo, what the hell are you doing, girl? That's a fact. And you would be like, yo, Ashley, mama, you might tell her no, or you might flip her to a different position because you're trying to be respectful. But some guys be like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> like, I'm going to go throw this to the side. You don't know what you're doing. And that's okay, too. Um, I just think, like, the whole thing is communication. The whole thing is not is being verbal. And a lot of times we think like we're primal animals, but the difference between us and mammals is that we can use words, right? I agree. We can comprehend what we're saying. I agree. So let's use that and let's be very mindful of that and let's not try to pin one thing on one person or the other. Let's just use our words. And whatever you interpret, and, and hopefully you're interpreting that in a societal way that, again, no means no to you. That means stop. And if she means like, oh, no, I just meant, nope. That's for the mature adult. <laughs> that it's just like, okay, no means no. And that's where we're stopping. 
and or ma'am, I don't like the games that you play. I'm actually good on this. Sarah, yeah. let the people know where they can find you. <laughs> oh, uh, oh God. No, I like this. Let the, no, 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 no. I literally, my because, page no, no, no. is full you, of you nothing. Awful, you offer, <laughs> what you offer is a council of experience that people cannot genuinely find on their own. I just think that you just are so gracious and um, so kind. Um, if you like to see me reposting things yeah, yeah. and um, things that I think are interesting, actually, um, you can find me at, at Tira's Brooklyn Blues. So that's at T-I-R-A-S-B-K-L-Y-N Blues um, on Instagram. That's really where I play and stay. I really don't do as much as the other things, although I do have a Facebook and Twitter pre- uh, presence. I'm just not playing on there. I play on Instagram. That's my space. Boom. Um, I'm your host, V the Only Letter, for the Oh That Sexy Podcast. Uh, this will not be the last time you hear her. Um, oh. you got, yeah, 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 I gotta bring you on. I gotta bring you back. Um, because there's a lot more that I want to touch on. But, we gotta go. And I'm so grateful for you to come in, and I'm so grateful that you can be a part of this podcast. I'm so grateful that I can have somebody that I've known for years that have grown into this uh, phenomenal, extraordinary, um, black, Nubian, beautiful woman that I am proud to say that I, I even know. Um, so as your host, be the only letter, I just want to tell you that uh, you're sexy. And it fits you a hell of a lot better than it fits me. Thank you so much for being a part of this ride. Thank you so much for being a part of this wave. Thank you so much for being a part of... Uh, my village, my energy, and I love you and I appreciate you. And I will definitely post a link of Satira's work um, that she has done for all of the women who have had pregnancies and need help. And if you guys want to reach out to her, you can definitely see the links below. I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for everything. Good night, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the All That Sexy Podcast. Again, I think I said it. I'm pretty sure I said it. Well, it doesn't matter. You guys love me anyway. You can find me on all social media platforms at V-T-H-E-O-N-L-Y-L-E-T-T-E-R on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You already know all that shit. You can also follow the podcast on the same social media platforms and tune in every Tuesday for new episodes, new insight, new intellect, and of course, new debauchery on da 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 SoundCloud. Links will be posted to all respective platforms. I love you all from the middle of my heart, like right at the left atrium. I can Please like, share, and subscribe. And remember, stay sexy. You don't wanna waste one Girl, you know you got the remedy yeah. And baby, you and I make synergy yeah. And I can see it in your eyes Ooh, shorty, I can see it in your eyes